Chapter 9 of The Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by A.J. Somerville. The Homesteader by Oscar Michaud. Epoch the Third. What People Were Saying. N.J. McCarthy arrived in the city late on Friday afternoon and was met by both his daughters. Ethel had, of course, read the letters Jean Baptiste had written his wife requesting her to return home, and so she took Orlean with her to meet her father, instead of permitting her to go to the station to return to the husband who had asked for her. The elder was due in about the same time the train that would have taken Orlean West was due out. "'Aha!' he cried as he stepped from the car. "'And both my babies have come to meet their father. That is the way my children act, always obedient to their father.' "'Yes, yes, never have contraried or disobeyed him.' A compliment he meant for Orlean, but Ethel could share it this once, although the times she had contraried or sauced him would have been hard to recount. Upon arriving home they met Glavis just returning from work, and he was also greeted in the same effusive manner by the reverend. "'And how was everything about the home, my son?' asked the elder in a big voice. At the same time he eyed Glavis critically." He had come to the city with and for a purpose, and that purpose was to put down early the intimacy that had been reported as growing up between Glavis and Baptiste. So he had planned to attend to it diplomatically. Why, everything is all right, father, glabbed Glavis, grinning broadly and showing his teeth. He was ever affected by the other's lordlyism, and he had never tried matching his wits with those of the others in any extraordinary manner. The elder was aware of this, and it made him rather grateful. However, he regarded the other closely as Glovis stepped about in quick attention to his possible needs or desires. That was as he had hoped to have in both his sons-in-law, wherefore his team would have been complete. It made him sigh now regretfully when he recalled how he had failed in the one case. He gave up momentarily to a siege of self-pity. How different it would have been had Jean-Baptiste chosen to admire him as Glavis apparently did. But, and he straightened up perceptibly when it occurred to him, instead of being as Glavis was, the other had chosen to be independent, to call him judge, colonel, reverend, and elder, and any other vulgar title he happened to think of on the moment. Moreover, he had also chosen to ask him a thousand questions about things he did not understand. That was the trouble, though the elder had not seen it that way, asking him questions about things he did not understand. The elder saw it as impudent. He saw and regarded that persistency which had been the making of the man in Jean-Baptiste as hard-headedness. He regarded that tenacity to stick to anything in the other sufficient to characterize a bulldog, Mm, my boy, he said now to Glavis, you are certainly a fine young man, just fine, fine, fine. He paused briefly while Glavis could swallow the flattery and then went on. Never in the thirty years I have been a minister of the gospel and been compelled to be away from home in God's work has it ever been like it has since you married Ethel. I simply do not have to worry at all now, whereas I used to have to worry all the time. Whereupon he paused again, affected a lordly sigh, and permitted Glavis to become inflated with vanity before going on. Now, before you married Ethel, I was a little dubious. He always said this for a purpose. 
I am so well informed and understand men so well and the ways of men until I was hesitant to risk trusting you with my daughter's love. You will understand how it is when you have raised children with the care I have exercised in the training of my precious darlings. A man cannot be too careful, and for that reason I was dubious regarding her marrying you. Besides, we, I think you understand, are among the best-colored people of the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, so it behooved me to exercise discretion. Yes, father, Glivy swallowed. He felt then the dignity of his position as a member of such a distinguished family. Well, went on the other, you know how much grief I must be enduring when I see this poor baby, pointing to Orlean, as she is the finest girl that ever trod the earth, and my heart always, and then to see her dragged down to this, and all this attendant gossip grieves my old heart, whereupon big tears rolled down his dark face. All those about sighed in sympathy and were silent. Oh, it's a shame, a shame, my father, it is a shame, he cried between sobs. Oh, his immortal soul, come in here like a thief in the night, and with his dirty tongue just deliberately stole her from her good home, her, an innocent child, to go out into that wilderness and sacrifice her poor soul to make him rich. He ended with the eloquence that his years of preaching had given him. He shed more tears of mortification and resumed, and my wife, her own mother, was a party to it. He was killing two birds with one stone now. Nothing was more gratifying to him than to seize every possible opportunity to place all his failures, all his shortcomings, all his blunders, and last but not least, all the results of his evil nature on the shoulders of his little helpless wife. For years, I, since he had taken her as a wife, had it been so. Never had she shared, even in reflected light, the honors that had come to him— she did as he requested and endeavored to please him in every way. The love he had given her was an affected love. It was not from his heart. He had given her little that was due her as his wife. I went out there, he went on, to find this child lying there in the bed with only his sister and grandmother to look after her. The doctor was coming twice a day, but that man asked him, when she could but open her eyes, whether such was necessary, and that when it wasn't, then to come but once. I sat there by her bed, I, her poor old father, and nursed her back to life from the brink of death, the death that surely would have come had it not been for me. And when she was well enough, I went to all the expense of bringing her out of that wilderness back to her home and health. And for that, for all that I have sacrificed, what am I given? Credit? Well, I guess not. I am being slandered. I am being vilified by evil people. And right in my own church. Think of it. For thirty years I have preached the law of the gospel and saved so many souls from hell. And now, now when my poor old head is white and my soul is grieved with the evil that has come into my home, I am vilified. No longer than last week I was approached by a woman, a woman purporting to be a child of God, but who ups to me and says, "'Reverend Mac, what is the matter with your daughter and the man she married? I hear they are parted. I was so put out that I did not attempt to answer, but I just regarded her coldly. 
but did that stop her mouth well i guess not she went right on as flip as she could be well you know reverend there is all kinds of reports about to various effects one is that you didn't like him because of his independent ways and because he was successful and he didn't take much stock in you because he didn't like the way you had lived and then there's other reports that he made an enemy of you because he didn't praise and flatter you and that you did it to get even they say that you had your daughter to sign her husband's name to a check for a large sum of money and used it to slip away from him and so on but the one thing that everybody seems to be agreed upon is that there was nothing whatever wrong between the couple and that they had never quarrelled and never had thought of parting that all the trouble is between you and your son-in-law i had stood her gab about as long as i could i was so angry so all i could say was woman in the name of heaven get you away from me before i forget i am a minister of the gospel and you a woman but before she had even observed how angry i was she ups and says why now elder as much as you love the ladies and then you'd abuse a poor woman like me and right there after such a tonguing as she had let out fell to crying those are some of the things i must endure my son in this work i must endure slander vilification misunderstanding and all that it's terrible people are certainly ungrateful cried ethel at this point and they don't try to learn the truth about anything before they start their rotten gossip more they have nerve with it a certain woman stopped me on the street downtown the other day a woman who claims to have been my friend and a friend of our family for years and what do you think she had the nerve to say to me well here's what it was and i hope she said it why ethel how is orlean i replied that she was getting better she says is she sick physically or mentally i said i don't understand you she looked at me kind of funny as she replied why don't you know ethel glavis that it's the talk around chicago everybody is saying it that you and your father went out west there and made her forge his name to a check for a large sum of money and for spite and spite only took poor orlean away from her husband and came back here and spread all this gossip about her being sick and neglected when the doctor had come to see her every day i know jean baptiste and i have not lived in this world for thirty-five years and not able yet to understand people and jesus christ couldn't make me believe that jean baptiste would mistreat orlean besides all this talk comes from you and your father orlean has said nothing about it she is just simple and easy like her mother and will take anything off you and your father now it's none of my business but i am a friend of humanity and i want to say this that anybody that is doing what you and your father are doing will suffer and burn in hell some day for it and she flies away from me and about her business it's outrageous the reverend cried we hardly dare show our heads on the street to greet old friends for fear we are going to be ridiculed and abused for what we have done it's certainly an ungrateful world that's all agreed ethel end of chapter nine epoch the third what people were saying Recording done by A.J. Somerville.